They say this is a big rich town I just come from the poorest part Bright light city life I gotta make it This is where it goes down I just happen to come up hard Hey, what is up everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby and you're now listening to or watching the PowerCast. And today we will be reviewing Power, Book 2, Ghost, Season 3, Episode 3, and the title of the episode was Human Capital. And today I am joined by Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing, Richard? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? Old Cap, no frap, CEO. I like that. <laughs> New coffee business. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we're also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie, who wants to bring Redman back. What's up, Dana? Um, I'm doing all right. I'm concerned about Redman. I know he was at South by Southwest. He is alive, but come back to the show because I don't know what that was. It wasn't you. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Even though I'm the next casting for Theo Rollings, I, I agree. Redman, you know, he defined that role already. So <laughs> he needs that role. I, I don't know why they changed him. I would like to know the reason. But um, but yeah, this was a, a very interesting uh, episode three of, of Power. Uh, there's quite a few things to discuss. Um, I could say more here, but you know, I'm gonna save I'm gonna save my thoughts for a bit later. But but yeah, interesting episode. Um, and we are gonna get into our takeaways where we each kind of uh, you know touch on some things that stood out to us um, and you know give our perspective to it. And uh, and then you know uh, we will get into our questions and discussions later on where we do more of a deep dive on things. But before that, just a quick reminder to the people. You know, um, if you do enjoy listening to the content, uh, please do, you know, leave your comments below. Uh, we're loving all the comments we got on the last episode. There were some really good ones. Um, and, you know, we, 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 uh, we made sure to reply to them as much as possible and keep the, the, uh, the dialogue flowing and everything. So thank you very much. Also, thank you to the well wishes to Dana and everything. Um, I hope Dana, you know, is doing a little better. Um, she, she did mention that to us earlier, but I hope she continues to get better. But yeah, uh, please do support the show. Hit the like button and uh, also consider subscribing to the channel to receive more content and hit the bell icon also to get notified. And then, you know, we also have the Coalition Entertainment channel where you can find more continuous coverage of different forms of entertainment, you know, from wrestling to movies, TV shows, you know, all of that's good stuff. And, you know, Dana oversees that channel. So, you know, you can get all of that exclusive content that she manages to get with, you know, all these interviews and um, all the, the press outings she, she gets to go to and stuff. So definitely subscribe to that channel. And then we also have the Coalition Gaming, which, you know, we're going to be posting a lot of uh, gaming-related things in the future. There's some big things coming up. Um, in the pipeline, in the gaming industry, and there's some some conversations that need to be had over there, so look out for that. Um, and yeah, so that is all the house cleaning for this week. Let's get right to the takeaways, and this week is actually my turn to go first, so uh, let me get my notes here together. 
and um, yeah, there's some things to say here. So I'm, I'm going to start with uh, I'm going to start with Drew and uh, the, this new gang uh, that's been brought into the mix. Uh, I believe they're called the Castillos or something. They're, they were, yeah, Castillos. Uh, they it, it was actually Frank's uh, Frank, who is somebody who died at Monet's bar. Um, you know, he, his children basically run this gang. And, uh, you know, Kane wants to kind of work with them so that he could sell more products in the streets and everything. And in order to do that, they had to take out the, the connects that they're currently working with, who is a Russian. Um, and then, you know, later on, we see that they actually had a meeting with the Castillos to, uh, you know, talk about this whole thing. And, uh, you know, uh, first of all, I have to highlight that funny scene where we first see the Castillo dude walk in and he purposely puts his arm up like that, like, so that we see the tattoo and everything, <laughs> because that tattoo is, uh, we, we, earlier in the episode, if you were paid attention, Drew was on uh, the dating app and he saw somebody, you know, with their hands behind their back with a tattoo on the wrist. So basically, that's the same guy, you know, that was on that dating app. So, you know, they, they purposely made him put his hand up. So you see that, for, like, he put his hand up for no reason. Like, like hi. <laughs> that was hilarious. But, uh, yeah, so my, my theory behind that is uh, I think that what's going to happen here is because uh, we know that Kane asked Braden to do the, the, the murder. Um, and we saw what happened. Um, Braden kind of froze up. And Tariq stepped in and he killed the, the connect. And uh, he was actually identified. Like they, they were saying that it was a black person that killed the connect. And the Castillos know this. So now they don't trust Kane. You know, they think that they set everything up so that they, they're forced to work with them. And it seems like they respect Lorenzo because Lorenzo, uh, you know, when he, when he kind of stepped in and said, oh, your, your father would want us to work together and all that stuff. They, they seem like they were more willing to work with them. But, um, and then, yeah, uh, but you still kind of see that little, like, animosity between them. Like, the Castillos are kind of side-eyeing Kane and they don't trust him all the way. So what I think they're going to do here is, because clearly everything is done for a reason, right? So there was a reason Drew saw, saw the dude on the app so I think they might end up getting close like Drew and, and that guy. And uh, I think this might be a way that Lorenzo can kind of exploit things a little so that Drew kind of goes on a little independent streak uh, because if he gets close to that guy, um, he, could, he might be able to cut Kane out, you know, a little bit like, or he might take control of things you know, without because you see how upset Drew was when Loren when Lorenzo said, um, you know, I'm putting Kane in charge now. Drew was a bit upset and he walked off. So he doesn't like that. You know, he doesn't like Kane being given the lead. So he could like use this situation to kind of turn the, the, the tables on Kane, I think. So we might see something like that happen. But um, yeah, that's my take on that. And then, um, so your, your boy Theo Rollings, uh, 
first of all, yeah, that, that casting threw us all off, you know, that recasting. Uh, definitely, we, we, we need to know why Red Man was, was changed because we already know the chemistry that uh, Method Man and Red Man have. They have a whole album together and everything. So, yeah, they got to let us know what happened there. But um, as far as the whole Theo Rollins thing that's going on, um, so Sax, you know, when he, after he, he went to see Theo Rollins, he went to kind of speak to Davis McLean about it and basically let him know, like, I know he's covering for you, basically. You're the one that did the crime and he's covering for you. And, you know, um, but he, he also mentioned that there could be some, uh, some, some evidence tampering on the side of the law. So, uh, you know, um, he's saying that basically I can help you get Theo Rollins out. But the thing is, we also know that Sax is in cahoots with Jenny. So he's in like a very, uh, a very interesting position because he could betray either one of them in this sense. And if he was to betray Davis McLean, that would be very detrimental to everything because Number one, Sachs has, he has a lot of evidence already. He took that picture of, um, you know, where, where it was Tariq, uh, Monet and Davis McLean together. And that photo is very important because we see that Jenny and Blanca and Whitman are trying to tie uh, Tariq and Monet together in the Rico. So that, that picture is very important. And I, I don't think he's given that picture to Jenny yet, or we haven't seen it happen. It could have happened off screen. I don't know. But yeah, so he's in a pow powerful position at the moment where he can either, he can either give up Davis McLean completely um, or, you know, he can threaten to expose him because he knows so much. And then he also knows about the Theo Rollins thing. You know, so he could actually use that to his advantage and try to bribe Davis McLean somehow, you know, to do what he wants. Um, so there's there's numerous things he can do here. Or, you know, if he actually starts to develop a bond, a trust, you know, a friendship with Davis McLean, maybe he will end up helping him and warning him about the Rico as well. So that's another thing that could happen. And that would obviously... Um, help help out Monet and Tariq a lot if, if that happens. But yeah, um, he's in a very interesting position. I know they said also that Sachs is the CI. Now, here's the thing with that. Like, Sachs being the CI is so boring. Like, it's so, like, it's so, we already know. Like, we already know he's working with Jenny Sullivan. Like, it's no surprise. So I'm hoping that the writers are playing with us a little bit. Like, I'm hoping that they're smart enough to kind of tease us and play with us a little bit and that there actually is another CI that they're going to reveal later on. Like, I, I really hope that that is the case because if it's just Sachs, like, we already knew this. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it, it, the, why, why, try to, why try to make it seem like there's a secret CI and we already know, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I hope that the writers are kind of being slick with that and, and they have another surprise up their sleeves. But um, but yeah, that's uh, what I wanted to say about that. And then also, uh, there, there, there's some other things I want to say, but I know Rich has some things to say as well. So I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to wait for him 
and then I'll, I'll add my thoughts later. But my last takeaway is about um, Diana, right? So we see a lot of Diana in this, where it's like, you know, and her, her theme in this episode kind of ties in with the, the title of the episode, Human Capital, where she's determining her value within, you know, her family and all that stuff. And uh, it feels like they're always leaning on her and trying to use her. And we see that she gets two visitors on campus, you know. Um, now, I know we always say people just show up at this campus. Like, outsiders just, you know, they just show up left and right and just get into any room they want, basically. But, um, you know, Kane came, first of all, and he, you know, he, he was basically checking on her because uh, the dude, Obi, the African dude, you know, he uh, he showed pictures of everyone and he, he had a picture of uh, Diana. So Kane, I guess, was kind of worried and checking up on his sister. And, uh, you know, he didn't like that. She had to work. So he gave her some money and stuff. And we we see that uh, he doesn't trust the dude, Salim, as well. Uh, he, even, he even mentions that he has a fake name and stuff. So I don't know if that's hinting towards something. I don't know. It, it kind of falls in line with what Rich was saying last week, you know. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, and then later on in the episode, um, we see that Lorenzo shows up. Now, this is after, you know, Diana has an interesting conversation also with Effie in the hallway where uh, Effie just, you know, she's got, she's of course correct again and she's setting up all the, the drugs and stuff, right? And then uh, Diana catches her in the hallway and they have an interesting conversation about Tariq and stuff, you know, uh, about how Effie basically told Diana to fall back from, from Tariq. Um, and then she went ahead and got with him. Like, I guess Diana kind of didn't, that she, it didn't sit right with her all the way, but um, she's kind of getting out of that because we see that she's with Salim as well later on. So she, she probably, she's probably getting rid of those feelings, but she just had to kind of uh, find that resolution. So she confronts Effie about that and everything, and they have a conversation. And obviously she knows that Effie is uh, in charge of like the course correct and stuff now and selling stuff on campus because even Brayden's sister had some, you know, so she kind of knows what's going on. And then we see that Lorenzo. Now, first of all, let me say something about Lorenzo. Like this dude is, is really like, <laughs> like who... This guy is at rock bottom. Like, how could you be like dropping off bricks for your, your, your daughter to sell? Like, like th that's crazy. Like, you're supposed to be protecting your, your little girl, but you're you're leaning on her to sell your product. Like, what kind of man are you? Like, you're supposed to be protecting her. You're supposed to be letting her do her homework and you know kiss her TA boyfriend and everything. Like, you're supposed to be letting her have this 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 campus experience, this university experience. And not getting her involved in the grittiness and, and the drugs and the dirt that's going on. So he's slipping. Like I, I know he's scared of Monet and all that stuff, but he's slipping right now. Like I, I don't know why why he thought that was okay to do. But um but yeah, like I feel like the reason it happened is because we we might see Diana and Effie kind of team up and maybe like take over that whole hustle of like course correct and what this means for the future i'm not sure but i am starting to see a bit of an independent streak in effie 
Um, and I do have a question about her later on as well. But yeah, uh, it's, it's starting to look like they might kind of team up and, uh, you know, basically run the operation at, at uh, Stans Stansfield, just like Tariq and Braden are running it at uh, Western Holdings. I feel like, you know, those two are kind of head, they're going to head up things at Stansfield. So, so yeah, that, that's kind of what it's looking like to me after seeing that. But uh, yeah, those are my takeaways. And uh, yeah, so now I'm curious to see what Dana has to say about the episode. So Dana, when you're ready, hit us with your takeaways. Can I comment on something that you said previously, like just now? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yes, we know the whole situation about Sax being a CI. To me, the one who stands out the most in this show is the Salmon guy, the Asalakalikum guy. He is, he's too obvious. And I realized that this episode, when he's supposed to be this enlightened man, you know, my brother, my queen, my king, that kind of thing that, that, that he gives off, that fakery. But the second that he was talking with Diana, oh, I Googled your father. Oh, look at what he does. Oh, I don't like that. Ooh. And it seemed like he had an automatic disgust about it. And she had to tell him, I'm not my father. And you would think someone who was so enlightened and knows about the plight of the black man and the black household and the drugs thing and how it's set up a certain way so that it keeps blacks behind and you know how how they make us, make us as a, a whole sometimes to be drug dealers in the prison system he's too judgmental and the thing about Kane is he's hot tempered but has he been wrong i just recall a moment where he has been wrong. And he read that guy from the second he saw him. So to me, he stands out too much. He looked too old. Why is this TA messing with the student? I don't know legalities of ages, but to me, it just feels gross. They can even be the same age, but it just feels gross. It seems fake. And he comes across as like just judgmental and too soft at the same time. And I, I just don't like it. So for me, he's on my radar. Also, he can die. And I'm this is why I'm team Kane, because Kane seemed like he has no problem getting rid of people he doesn't like. So kill him. Um, so that's the one thing that I wanted to say about that. And I forgot the second comment that I wanted to make about what you brought up. But yeah, boo. On him. Now, one of the things that was really interesting, um, we talked about human capital for this. And it talked about the different various ways of, you know, human capital, whether it's the worker not valuing the worker or, you know, not paying them what they're worth in hopes that they'll undercut each other and they'll start fighting. And therefore, it creates a bigger profit with you. Um, we saw this a lot with, for example, Diana. Diana opened up when she was in the classroom by saying once she once her parents her family realized that you know she she wasn't useful they just kind of like washed their hands for her you know and it's reflected in this season because Lorenzo going to his daughter oh can you sell this I you know wanting this for her not even for her it's something that he needs because he right now seems to be too I don't want to say lazy because he has moved a lot, but right now he's in his like 
bitch mode where he's just not he's 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 a little bitch right now and that's cool he's games bitch and I'm, I'm all for it but to ask your daughter that just seems wrong you know um and also because diana is so close with her father i feel that it's a forced obligation she doesn't always remember she always my poppy my poppy i love you my poppy she's always team poppy and you could see in her eyes and her face and her demeanor this is not something that she wants to do she is perfectly fine with being independent granted i love the fact that she's learning how um taxes in america just basically robs people of money when she got her first paycheck so it was really that was like a very human moment of realizing how broke she is but i just i wish that they would just allow her to be a young adult and to make it on her own and to strive and struggle but you know once again they're not because she's only there included in the family when she's useful um, I did like this moment between Kane and Diana, where it really felt like a tender touch, a touching brother sister moment, where he was really genuinely concerned about her. You know, come have dinner, come over to the house. So I really liked that part. Um, that was really good. Also, another thing that stood out was RSJ, who was the black billionaire, the richest black billionaire. You know he's a Republican, and you know he voted for Trump. I don't trust him. Um, but this was really interesting how they 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 put him in to give him that advice for Tariq about building a business and undercutting the competition. And I feel like they put in characters. I don't know how long he's going to be in the show, but they put in characters to help drive the story. So this knowledge that Tariq is learning about capitalism, Wall Street is something that he can apply to the drug business, which again is another reflection of these these dealers, how they're dealing, you know, they're just as smart as the people on Wall Street. They, you know, the government is just criminalized and considered that to be the wrong behavior. When literally, if you look at what Wall Street is doing, even now with the whole banking system, it's the same situation of what Tariq and Pookie and them are doing with their their gangs. So I liked how they, they had that in there. And then also, lastly, um, the situation, oh yes, now I remember what I wanted to say about the situation with Davis and Sachs involving not Theo, because that's not my Theo. That's, that's um, Cleo. So involving Cleo was interesting. Because you could easily say, oh, he's going to use it against him and he's going to be the one to bring down Davis. But remember, Davis gave this nice little speech that basically said, you end up being the hero of this story. If you take this on and you clear my name, I mean, my brother's name, well, not brother's name because that's Cleo, um, then he would end up being the hero of his story. And I really feel that is what Sachs wants. He wants to be noticed. He wants that power in terms of, you know, look at what I did and that big badge and that ceremony to celebrate him. At the end of the day, I think that's what he wants. And so this provides a really great opportunity. And yes, he knows that Davis was the one that actually did the killation. But 
I think this is where he finally gets to use his smarts. We're always clowning on sacks, but this can be like a turning point where he uses his smarts to get someone off. We know that he's kind of done that before a little bit with power, working with the other characters. But this one I really feel can be his standout moment. So I like that. Also, really quickly, the situation with Kane. Kane is smart. And I really, you guys were saying that, oh, Lorenzo was going to use, um, <coughs> was, sorry, going to use the upper card to, to outsmart Kane. I don't believe so. Kane is very smart. And what I think he's learned from this season compared to last is to not talk. He knows that Lauren is alive. I strongly believe that he knows that she is alive. And that he, remember that whole ending with him and Brayden? And he was like, who killed her? Who really killed her? He knows that she's alive. And I think Effie may end up, I, don't, I feel that it's something with Effie where either she gets the blame, but something negative is going to happen. Because that end call with him calling Effie, that wasn't like, hey, girl, let's go kick it. To me, it felt like I'm going to get down to this to this Lauren situation. And if I know, if Tariq knows, I know that Tariq knows, but he's not going to tell me because of the whole legal situation of not knowing. But I feel that he is still going to fit, try to figure this out and he's going to go through Effie. So yay to that. And I don't think Lorenzo, Lorenzo right now, he deserves all the beatdowns that he got. So I don't, I don't see him being some kind of upper, trying to one-up Kane. And then also, if you really look at it, Drew, he seems to me to be out of the picture. He's there physically, but he's not really there mentally. He's so caught up on the grinder that it's distracting. And, you know, he's hurt and emotional and sleeping with various men to the point where Kane is like, oh, gosh, another one? Every time he comes in the house, there's another guy fleeing. So I wonder just how much focus he really does have when it comes to this. So that seems to be, um, so far, that's it. I like the whole situation, course correct, but using the, the coffee. But in a, same, in a way, I feel that the, for, the, for, the false bottoms with the coffee cup seems just a little bit, it's smart, but it doesn't seem smart enough. It seems like it's easy to still find out because remember, all they did was pull the tab and then the false bottom came down. So I hope they work on that design of the cup. Because that's just cheap. What happens if they have more weight? If the drugs that they order is has weight? Will it just pop down? So yeah, they need a better designer. Yeah, um, great, great takeaways, first of all. Um, excellent takeaways and observations. And you kind of, uh, you touched on something I wanted to talk about in a little bit, but I'll wait till we get to that segment. But um as for the coffee cups, um, yeah, I mean, it is like, you know, coffee cups in general are kind of flimsy and weak things. But I think um, for what they're doing, I guess it works for them because it's only going to be people who actually want to buy the drugs that are going to buy it anyway. Because it's not going to be real coffee drinkers who might ac accidentally, you know, find the drugs. Because I, I like how they tied in the crypto thing where, like, there were those people with the crypto at that. RSJ event or whatever. And I guess Braden, he's making people buy 
their cryptocurrency to actually buy the coffee so that they can, uh, you know, uh, buy the drugs basically. So I guess that's, that's their logic behind it. That it's only going to be people who know about the drugs in there anyway. So, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's still flimsy. So you, you do have a point, but yeah, I guess, I guess that's their explanation. But, um, but yeah, great, great points. I definitely want to touch on the, the cane and Effie thing a little bit later. Um, but let's hear from uh, Richard first. Let's get your takeaways, sir. Okay, first and foremost, excellent takeaways by you both, as always. Let me just say, I, I like Dana's point, but I hope that she is incorrect because my job security as the all no cap all frap CEO depends on it. So I hope that you're wrong about the cups being flimsy and uh, we fix that in the future. But um, overall, let me start by saying this was another another entertaining episode of uh, Power Book Ghost. Power Book Two Ghost is, is so many words. I have three main takeaways I want to get into, but I, I am going to say, uh, you know, that third takeaway, we, we might have uh, Dana and Gary chime in because I do have a bit of controversial things to say. Let's start with the first takeaway, though. Jenny and Sachs in this episode, obviously, uh, I did find it interesting how they were having the conversation at the beginning of the episode about uh, trying to investigate you know, all, all these murders and how they're connected so that they can build up their RICO case. And I noticed that when they brought up uh, Lauren's death, that Jenny tried to steer them away from that conversation because we already know that she knows that Lauren is safe. She's actually in her custody. So I'm wondering how long is, is it going to be for Jenny in terms of holding them off? Because eventually they're going to have to address that situation. But obviously we saw in this episode, she's still trying to have Blanca avoid going in that direction with it, but eventually it's going to come to that. So we'll see what happens. We did see more of uh, Kevin Whitman, Gary's favorite character, harassing Monet in this entire episode. Uh, and this guy, now he reminds me of Greg Knox in the original Power because he is obsessed. You saw that the harassment play, that they, they, pretty, they pretty much gave him a desk job because of all the harassment that he's been causing Monet. But you see that he is still obsessed because he was still at her house at the end of this episode watching again from his car. So uh, obviously, when I made the comment last week that this character is going to get killed, I firmly believe that that will happen at some point. I can't tell you how it happens because they have to be very smart because it's already too hot for everybody involved. So we'll see how they handle that. But uh, very interest, uh, interesting observations in this episode. Speaking of Monet hanging out with uh, Davis, as well as Tariq, we did see in this episode that uh, Sachs saw them at the office when they were talking about how to deal with Kevin Whitman and took a photo. Previous episode last week, he was the one that had called Monet on Davis's burner phone. So Sachs is definitely caught in between here, and it's going to be very interesting to see what he does at the same time he also is trying to get the actor that is not Red Man. He's trying to get him out of jail, you know. And again, as Dana alluded to, and I agree, that's not my Red Man. I hope we get an explanation as to why Red Man was has been uh, recasted for this show, because just it just threw everything off. When I saw that character, I was like, "Man, what happened?" But hopefully, we'll get an answer to that at some point. But yeah, we'll see what happens with Sax. 
moving forward because that should be very interesting. And the final point of this takeaway is that we also see that uh, Jenny and Blanca, they decide to pay Tate a visit in this episode, and he tells them that now Tariq is working at Western Hold Holdings with Brady. So obviously, that's a lot of information that uh, I'm sure that this is going to help their investigation. But again, they have a lot of things they have to figure out. And obviously, Kevin is not is no longer going to be actively working with them, at least for right now, because he is suspended. But uh, we'll see what happens from here. Okay, the second takeaway of this episode, got to talk a little bit about the Tejada family. I want to just say I like the montage they showed at the beginning of the episode where you see what Lorenzo was doing with Kane, what Drew was doing. Obviously, Drew was getting himself some action. And I, I want to say uh, the way that they shot this scene where you see Drew, you see you see his face in, in the camera shot a certain way. Then you see Lorenzo coming up from the camera shot. I thought that was very well done as far as it being orchestrated. But I got a kick out of seeing Lorenzo get his ass whooped by those other drug dealers and then Kane just sitting back laughing. Uh, you know, I thought that was very entertaining because uh, we already know that Kane wants to get the upper hand on his father. And as of right now, he's doing just that. So to go to what uh, you both alluded to already, Diana obviously didn't feel useful to the family. And then we see at the end of the episode that uh, Lorenzo basically comes to her and asks her to sell the product. Now, what I find interesting about this is this entire situation with him and Kane comes full circle because Kane is the one that told him, I'm going to give you this extra product. I'm expecting you to sell it. Now he's given that to Diana to sell. So I'm very curious to see what happens because we do know that Course Correct has been started up once again. So you have this product being sold at the same time. I want to know what's going to happen as far as when all this stuff gets out eventually. And of course, she's going to be using the store as a front to do all this stuff. I, I want to see how that all comes together. Uh, also, I would give a shout out to you as well, Dana, because you made an excellent point about Salim and the fact that, yes, he stands out, the fact that he was Googling about Lorenzo. But also, I thought it was interesting how, like you said, when Kane pointed out that he can tell that he was fake, Kane asked her if she did any research on who this guy is. So I'm going to make a guess that Detective Kane, at some point, he's going to find out what this guy's real agenda is. I would not be surprised if he is the one that takes him out later this season. Because again, uh, this character, as we know from last week, he's very good at getting down to the bottom of stuff. Uh, and once he finds out, he definitely will use it to his advantage. So I think that's going to 100% happen. I just don't know how they're going to bring it together, but I see that happening. As Diana gets closer to Salim, that's going to be, make things a lot more dangerous for Salim. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, and also, the other last point I will make about the Tejada family, I understand Drew being upset that Kane is in charge because it was Drew's idea to kill the Russian Connect. He was the one that orchestrated that. When they asked him, well, well, what, well, well, you got any other plans and any other big ideas that you think we should do? He was the one that said, let's just kill the connect. And now the Castillos will need to rely on us. So I definitely want to see what happens now. And he obviously knows something is up between Kane and Lorenzo because of how they interacted that entire time. So I definitely am curious to see which direction that goes. I like Gary's theory a lot about Lorenzo finding a way to turn Drew on Kane, but I don't know how they're going to do that because at this point, 
there's a lot of things, a lot of different things that could happen. But what we do know is that that Russian connect that was killed uh, by Tariq, not Braden, um, that's going to be an issue moving forward. And I would not be surprised if those are the people that are shooting at them when they go to that funeral later this season, because it makes sense, right? It's either them or it's going to be the Castillos because they already don't trust uh, Kane and them anyway, because they said, oh, the shooter was white. No, the shooter was black. So I, I'm very curious to see how that storyline, uh, you know, basically gets sorted out. But very, very interesting, entertaining, to say the least. So now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment that we've all been waiting for, let's get to my final takeaway, which is going to be a little controversial, okay? We have to talk about Tariq, Braden, and Effie in this episode, Okay. First and foremost, let's talk about the positives. I like how, once again, Power is a show where it's about the wardrobe, the characters looking on point. They had that scene where, in the very beginning, Tariq and Braden have to get suits, you know, because their uncle, Lu uncle Lu their uncle Lucas, is going to this event because he's trying to basically get into good standing with RSJ to manage his investments. So they obviously have to look the part so that they can make a good impression. So I liked how they went, they got some suits, you know? So yeah, I, I give them props for always making sure the characters are on point, even though Tariq cannot afford to buy a car, by the way, but he definitely got to look good. So, hey, it's all good. But um, what ends up happening is um, they do go to that event. Tariq does get advice from RSJ, which I thought, which again, Dana has already pointed out what that advice was. That was well done. Um, so I, I just want to say for those who don't know, the actor that plays RSJ, this is Chris from The Wire. So, I, I mean, obviously, they're telling you this guy is the richest black man in America. I'm pretty sure he has a secret as well. And that's why I want to see what happens as this character progresses on the show. Because we already know, if you're a Wire fan, you know this guy has range. And he's done some pretty uh, corrupt things as Chris, some underhanded, dark, grimy things. So I'm curious to see if we're going to see that as well. But stay tuned, I guess. But I'm glad to see he's on the show because I like the actor a lot. So looking forward to that. Uh, so what we do find after they have this little outing, they basically are told they have to go back to the warehouse and it's discovered that only half of the product was sold. So they basically have threatened them to sell the rest of the product. And then they have the photos of Diana, Braden's parents, and Tariq's grandmother. And they said that they have to have one million the next time they see them if they don't diana's going to be killed then it goes from there diana Braden's parents and eventually Tariq's mom will all get killed if they don't deliver on what the product is and of course he does tell effie if you mess this up all three of your friends Braden, Tariq, and kane they will get killed so there's a lot of pressure on them obviously to continue to do this correctly we'll see what happens uh we do see that effie does tell Tariq in this episode she wants to start up uh, course correct as a side hustle again. And he, and, and, and I'm glad to see this because last week we speculated that she would go ahead and start it without him. So I'm glad to see that she is being communicate, you know, communicating with him about this, but obviously using it as a side hustle to make more money. I know she says she has a particular number in mind that she wants to reach, which I understand, but I kind of think there's more to that. And I would like to see what that is. So we have to stay tuned for that. Um, of course, we already talked about the coffee, how they're doing the coffee stuff. But this right here is one, th these two parts of the episode, which I think 
were a little annoying for me. I was a little triggered, and I will I will admit. Now, we do see that Brandon is told that he needs to kill the Connect, and of course he's unable to do that. Tariq kills him instead, right? After that, they escape. They go into a restaurant, and Tariq has this conversation with Effie, talking about they could run things together, just like his mom and his dad used to. Then he proceeds to talk about Ghost and Tasha mentions that Tasha was the mastermind behind everything that Ghost and that Ghost was doing. I don't think we saw enough of that in the regular power. We did see it at, at, at times, but I, I I don't think we saw enough of that to say that Tasha was running every single thing that Jamie did as Ghost because again, the character also acted independently with some of his actions as well. So we need to give him credit. But when he makes that comment to say he's better than Ghost, I'm better, I'm smarter, I'm faster. My philosophy is this. If you have to tell somebody that you are better than somebody, then you aren't better than them. Your actions should speak louder than your words. And I, I'm not saying that Tariq is not going to eventually be better than Ghost, but we need to see that more as he develops as a character. So I kind of think it's premature to say that in this episode, because I'd rather them just show us instead of instead of us. We know what his state of mind is already. He feels he is better. All right. He's made certain decisions as far as how they do the business stuff, which I think was very smart. But certain areas of Tariq, he's just not there yet. As you both pointed out last week, he got, you know, all the stuff that Braden did orchestrating that deal with the uh, internship. He's basically getting outsmarted by his friend as far as that's concerned. So that's why I said. I want to see where they're going with that particular stuff. But again, I understand why they're going in that direction. And finally, we do see at the end of this episode, once Kane finds out that Braden did not pull the trigger and kill that connect, he sends him that test message to say, get down here, white boy. He goes down. And, you know, when, when I saw this scene, it instantly made me think of the interaction between Tommy and Tariq. In Power Season Six, where Tommy was about to throw Tariq off that building, and then he he stopped from doing it. But the problem I had with this scene is that, obviously, uh, I thought it was very interesting that Braden wouldn't just outright tell him that Effie did it, you know, because talk about you know the Effie was the one that basically killed Lauren because he went right into this conversation about Lauren, and obviously, when he finds out that Lauren is still alive, I kind of feel like that they have written themselves into a corner because. So I feel like that was like a second warning to Brayden. So if he find, when he finds out that, that Lauren is still alive, I kind of feel like he needs to kill Brayden. There's not no other warning about any other anything of, of uh, anything else at that point. Um, but also, I find it interesting how he didn't give up Effie and say that she's the one that did it. Because right after that, you see that Kane contacts Effie. So in my personal opinion, as a writer, I would have just had Braden tell him Effie is the one that pulled the trigger because we already know that Kane likes Effie. I would have said, hey, Effie is the one that killed Lauren. Then it would have made sense as to why he, call, he called Effie right after that interaction. That's just my own uh, observation. I could be 100% wrong on that. But uh, obviously, I kind of feel like, again, they're buying time for certain things to happen with certain characters. But at some point, they have to resolve some of the things with certain characters getting killed. You can't just have a character continue to live from episode to episode, especially after other characters know that they've done stuff and then there's no retaliation. So I hope that they have a plan for that. But overall, um, I thought it was a very good episode. 
I'm very curious to see what happens next week. And um, I look forward to seeing what happens when Tariq starts to find out all these people have been lying to him, that Braden has lied to him, the FE has lied to him, and what his reaction is going to be when all this stuff happens, because it will not be a positive uh, outcome, I will say. But stay tuned. Oh, man, those were uh, excellent takeaways like this. You, you had so many points to, to unpack, and, and we are going to unpack them. But, but yeah, great uh, takeaways there. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, just before we get to our, like, questions and discussions, like, I just want to add to what you said about the whole ghost thing, and Dana can chime in too. But, yeah, um, I, I agree, like, I feel like Tariq is like the way he talks about his father is completely unwarranted because it's like if you go back to power, Ghost did everything for his kids. Like his kids were his like his only harmony. Like it was like his main mo motivator, his main driving force besides Angela. But but like Angela was just, you know, it's his childhood love. But like as far as the business and doing all the dirty work, he did all of that to take care of his kids like they were literally like the only ones he cared for now of course as the show went on we saw a rift between him and Tariq because Tariq like remember we all hated Tariq in power like we all thought he was ungrateful and all that he's only just started to get a bit more likable but we hated him because he was so ungrateful and like when when they make him say these things in in book two now it's like he's going back to that to being that ungrateful character because the whole reason he's in college right now is because of ghosts. Like, you know, he, he has another pathway that he can take that I know he's being forced currently to do the drugs. Like he's, it's out of his control, but, but the only reason is because of his own actions, like his own actions is what led to Noma and all that stuff. Like he could have stayed away from it, you know, before he could have got out, got away from it before. You know, so he he's had a lot of opportunities to get away from the whole drug thing before this Noma thing happened. But he he wanted to go down this path. So like I, I he just hearing him talk like that is like very ungrateful. I feel like he should have learned a few lessons by now about, you know, he should have understood what his father was trying to do a bit more. Now I'm not saying Ghost is perfect because he made many missteps, he made many mistakes <laughs> on his journey. But yeah, I, I just feel like you know him. The, the way he talks about his father is completely like unwarranted. And also, I don't feel like Tariq is completely believable. Like, because he was saying he's smarter and better, or whatever. I don't even think he's fully believable as the new ghost because you know he's being outshined by Braden. Braden's more calculating than him in that last episode. But um, but what was you gonna say, Rich? I just want to make a quick comment, then I want to go to Dana, because I definitely want to hear what Dana has to say. I agree with what, with what you said, but I also say, just as a viewer, my personal opinion, I like Kane as a character a lot now. It feels as though this is the character, like one of the main characters of the show. It's not really, Tariq, obviously, this is about his story, but it feels as though the way that they focus on Kane and the stuff that he's doing, he feels like he's a major part of the show. And I like what he's doing more than what I than what Tariq is doing at the moment. But obviously, let's see what happens. Because again, we're only three episodes into this season. I think they're going to do a lot more with Tariq moving forward. But I, I have to say, uh, 
I just I, those comparisons to ghosts. Uh, I, I I don't see it yet. I'm not saying he's not going to get there. I'm just saying I want them to show us this by his actions. Don't have him say I'm I'm better than him. No, just show me by what you're doing. He killed that Russian connect in in this episode. He's already killed two people this season. So yeah, he's definitely on that path, right? But uh, getting uh you know basically you know having a situation what happened with Braden and Effie and the fact that he doesn't yet know what's happening with them uh we're gonna have to see where that goes because again um it won't be happy once he finds out the truth but i want to see what his reaction is going to be to all this stuff that's happening around him because he should know that he can't trust anybody not even his friends but we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah go, go ahead Dana. Go what do you think? wrong 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 you guys are all wrong let me explain why. He has to under <coughs> sorry. <coughs> so sorry. <laughs> See, y'all done got me wheezing because I'm so angry. Um, you have to understand the dynamic between Ghost and Tariq. <clears throat> Going back all the way from the the original Power series. Ghost grew up, not Ghost, Tariq grew up idolizing his father. Remember, he loved his dad, right? He loved his dad and he loved his family. Yes, we may argue back and forth, but that was family, okay? As things became more messy and as ghosts started to blend family with work with drugs, that's when things started to get sloppy. We had the whole Angela affair, okay? He's looking at his mother and seeing his mother is being cheated on and that's the love of my life. And you're coming home and you're seeing the hurt and the pain that Tasha has. Because as much as we all may disagree with Tasha, that has to be painful. And he told her, it wasn't like, I think he's cheating. It's always been, Angela is the love of my life. You're just something that happened. I stayed with you for convenience, but she will always have my heart. She's bringing in that pain and Tariq, is very observant and he's seeing exactly what's going on with that situation. And so that makes him side a wee bit more with his mother. Okay, then on the top of that, we have the fact that Ghost lied his entire life. He lied for Tariq's entire life almost. He's not dead, but the majority of those adolescents that's really important for growth and understanding, he lied to him about who he really was. So I'm looking at my father cheating on my mom, brings her pain to her, and then he lies about his, who he really is and his true nature. Okay? Then you have the whole fact. Let's look at Kane, 50 Cent's Kane. He tried to kill him multiple times. That dude is more connected. And yes, he was that weird dynamic who was like, I love you more than I'm my father, and it was weird. But if you really looked at it, that friend that Uncle Kane was really part of Ghost. So look at everything that you've brought to me. I hate you. So his hate is understandable. And what even this goes back to Oedipus. Remember how it was? Marry the father, marry the mother, kill the father. Not literal, but the sense is to replace the father. Right? He is in that mode where he is trying to replace the father. Even if he doesn't believe himself right now, he's going to constantly say, I am better than Ghost because look what I didn't do. 
I am still better than him. Even if he may suck, I'm not ghost yet. So that is why I believe that statement. And also on top of that, you have to believe in yourself before anybody else believes in you. So him constantly saying that to me would make sense. Because if you really think, oh, I'm whiny, I'm a piece of this, I'm dog poop, uh, I'll never accomplish anything, but dad was right. You examine that, and that's gonna that's not going to bring you where you want in life. That's going to keep you more down. He has to make this money for Mecca, replace the money that Mecca had, but he's walking around, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I wish Ghost was here. I don't know what to do. Where does that get him? Nowhere. So for him to be like, yeah. Yeah, my dad did this, but I'm better than my dad. It was really my mom. Because if he looks at it, his entire life, it always looked at look at what Tasha went through. And if you looked at them, once he shifted from ghosts, because he admired and worshipped him, once he shifted over to Tasha, that became his queen. So to me, him sitting down at that table saying what he did, to, F, to saying that whole conversation to Effie, makes sense. Oh, I want you to be my Tasha. I look at you not as so much as the mother, but I look at you as my queen of the house, the queen of what we're building. We're building this together. I don't have any issues with that. So, soapbox, I am off. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's a good perspective. And, and you're not wrong, because, like, the part where I agree is, like, because, like I said, Ghost made many mistakes, and Probably his biggest mistake that led uh, everyone down their paths, you know, th this mistake actually made Tariq is the mistake where he chose Angela over Tasha, like over his family. Like that was his biggest mistake. And that's what set all of this into, you know, fruition and everything. Um, but, you know, if we're just talking in terms of capability, you know, and street smarts, you know, I don't think uh, he can say he's better than his father. But when it comes to the academic life and, you know, maybe business, because we're starting to see Tariq kind of take a new direction with, you know, the RSJ character and Western Holdings. So he, we're starting to actually see him do more things in the real world outside of the academic life. So he's actually starting to develop more skills now. So he could end up being a better businessman and, you know, overall man than his father was. But when it comes to the street smarts and making decisions there, I just don't see him being more believable than Ghost at this point, like at this point in time. Take away Kane, Tommy, and even parts of Tasha. Who is Ghost without his team? What is Ghost capable of doing without any of his team? Same I mean, thing as Tariq. It depends which goals you talk about because, like, after I'd say after season three, we start to see a new ghost. Like, if you go back to those first two seasons of Power, like, this guy was like a, a mastermind. Like, the way they wrote him then was way different to like after season three. Like, he started to switch up a bit, and uh, the other characters. But he was still with Tommy. Out. He was still with Tommy, and and the other one came. Canaan, yeah, but like, but, but he was like, like if you if you really like go back and watch like season two, he like he he was like one step ahead of everyone, like five steps ahead of everyone. Like if you go back, because 
the way they wrote it, it's like he was like a chess player kind of thing. Like, and he determined everyone's moves before they made them. And like, you have to go back and see, like, he was like Stringer Bell, Avon kind of character back then. But, but he changed along the way, I guess, because of Angela changing him and stuff. And that's when you, like, I agree with your argument after, after season three, we, he changes. And, and that's where I agree that, uh, you know, Tariq, like, like the other characters, first of all, like you said, they actually start to be uh, better than Ghost, like Tommy and Kanan, they start to kind of outsmart him a little bit. Um, and, you know, um, after season three, I believe that Tariq could end up being a better version of that Ghost completely. But, um, yeah, go ahead. Counterpoint. We don't know where Tommy, well, not Tommy, we don't know where Ghost was in his life when he was in his 20s. So to compare a 20-something-year-old boy to a 40-something-year-old man, I think one is wrong, but two, if you're going to compare them, we don't know the information of what Ghost was doing. But if you look, and this goes back to the theme song of why I think they should change his theme song, because he's not like his father. He is better because you look at he's already set up differently. For example, Ghost, I believe, at the age of 20 or whatever, is not going to meet the richest person in America because he wasn't given those opportunities. He was still maybe on the corner. Right? So to compare their, where they're at and their lives is not the same. So in a way, his argument still rings true. I am better than my father, but he's ignoring the fact that without his father, he wouldn't be where he's at today. That's it, that's it. I, I, I was gonna say, uh, yeah, I, I agree with your perspective on, on, on this, this situation as well, because I, I didn't get it, I didn't really get a chance to chime in. Um, I feel like we're going to have to wait and see what happens with Tariq as a character because it feels to me like when this season started and they released that season trailer, the first thing I saw was Tariq is in a suit. Wait a second, he has a gray suit. That reminds me of Ghosts, you know? So it's kind of like they're still telling the story of him becoming this uh, newer version, I would say, of Ghost. Um, obviously, he, he, got, he, he made those two kills so far this season. But yeah, and again, I do agree with what you said. Like he is smart in terms of some moves that he has made, but uh, yeah, we just have to wait and see. I I would only I would only tell them that uh, I'm okay if we don't compare, but they it, it really starts with how they write this. And if there's having him make a lot of these comments about he's better than ghosts, we understand he has to say that for the sake of he has to be confident in himself. But I think they can still have him do that by his actions. You don't necessarily have to say that. You can show it by how he's orchestrating himself. So if he like like I do expect that he is going to find out at some point that Braden lied to him, Effie lied to him, and that's why I want to say I want to see what his reaction is when these situations happen. But overall, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens for sure. I, I'm not I'm not saying that. I just want to see how they're going to tell this story and how they're going to progress and show the character as he continues to grow. Yeah, and and, and that, that's a great point, uh, Richard. I think that's mainly my problem. Like, don't, like, show, don't tell. Like, show us that he's better. Don't have him, like, say, you know, all these things. Like, oh, I'm better than my father. I'm, 
like show us, like let us see that development happen organically, like, you know, even instead of bringing attention to it, because you're just going to get people, you know, riled up. But, um, but yeah, great discussion. Uh, let's, let's uh, carry on now because, you know, time and everything. Um, but yeah, let, let's get right to our uh, questions and takeaways. So the, uh, Dana mentioned something uh, very interesting in her takeaways, um, you know, about Kane and Effie. Um, and, you know, that, that ties in with kind of what I want to ask, like, because, um, you know, like, like Rich was uh, bringing it up as well with the phone call at the end where, you know, he, he called uh, after, after roughing up Brayden and trying to, you know, see what, what happened with the, you know, with the killer, the, the murder and everything like that. Um, he immediately calls Effie, you know, so the question I have is, you know, what was that call going to be about? Why did he decide to call Effie, you know, right after talking to Brayden? And, you know, I know Dana said that she believes that he's on to the Lauren situation and he believes he, he might know something already or he's trying to get more clarity on the Lauren murder because because he was one of the key people in that attempted murder because he wanted Lauren gone because she knew too much. Um, and, you know, she could identify him as well. So, you know, do you think that he was going to call her solely about that or is there something else that he's planning or could there be something going on off screen that we don't even know about? So uh, my question is basically, you know, about that. Like, why did he call Effie in that moment? So um, uh, I guess Dana kind of spoke on it already. So I'll go to you first, Rich. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that's a good question. My guess is that it, again, as a viewer, I'm thinking that he, as Dana said, he knows that Effie was involved in helping to take out Lauren, and he basically is going to question her and ask her who, so who really, so who really killed Lauren. I don't think he knows yet that Lauren is alive. I don't think anybody knows. Well, obviously, no one knows that yet, except for Jenny. So when that news comes out, it'd be very interesting to see how people react to that news. Uh, but. I think he's calling her primarily to ask her, what does she know about, did she, did she help Brayden take out Lauren? I don't know if it's any other side deal. I, I did see that there was a couple of comments in the last show, and I think even y'all mentioned it, that possibly uh, Effie could end up working with Kane independently in the future. That can still happen 100%, because it's a very easy way to have the characters continue to live on because obviously we all know that once Tariq finds out that Effie and Brayden were going to kill Lauren, but that Kane was involved in this as well, then the next logical step would be for Tariq to go against Kane. But I kind of feel like they're going to prolong that at least until next season, I think. We'll have to wait and see. But um, overall, I... I my only guess is that he's calling her because he wants to get to the bottom of what actually happened to Lauren, and he thinks that she helped Brayden. That's the only thing I could think of at the moment, but we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. I, I think it was more of a, yeah, he wants more clarity about, you know, what Brayden's doing, because I guess now he doesn't trust Brayden as much, uh, because that's kind of like, you know, this isn't the first time he's kind of um, fumbled and messed up, like, you know, whatever he told him to do and stuff. 
um, and he just doesn't trust him. And I found it weird that um, during that conversation, because, um, you know, he, he, he instantly assumes that it was Tariq that killed the Russian. And then Braden's like, no, no, it, it wasn't Tariq. He wasn't even there. And then, you know, um, Braden starts to kind of, he transitions into the, well, he, he does ask him, okay, who helped you then? And then Braden doesn't answer. And then he transitions into the, uh, the, the Lauren conversation. But it's like, why didn't you, you know, you have the gun to his head already. You can easily pressure him into actually just telling you the truth, like put more pressure on him. But I'm, I, maybe Kane, maybe Kane is already assuming it was Tariq, and I guess you know um, he's calling Effie to, to to further confirm that, like you know, because he he probably feels like she'll give him more of a, a accurate response that will let him know, yeah, it was Tariq. But Dana, what's what's your thoughts though about the whole phone call to Effie? Yeah. Sorry, my camera was like not working. Okay, so for me, it's this. Y'all are thinking that Kane is stupid. He's not stupid. He's very smart. He's observed. He observes everything. How else would he be able to find out that it was his dumb daddy that went and killed Zeke? He observes everything. His behavior, remember? The dude was so acting extra, even Monet didn't put it together. So here's the thing what I'm thinking. Brayden is smart in a sense of saying, I, if you know, then that means they can come and get you too. So it's best if I not say anything. But Kane is the kind of person I feel who's not going to let this go. And he is smart. He knows that by killing or doing anything with Brayden, that's not going to be good for two reasons. One, that makes him dirty in this whole situation and makes him have a connect to Lauren's death. But also, you forget, Brayden is a Weston. So I believe if you were actually to kill any of those dumb sons, the father who has a lot of power, who knows the richest people in America, will rain hellfire on you. So we're gonna go with that. Also, on top of that, with the phone call, I think he he knows deep in his heart Lauren is alive because he is watching how Braden is unable to kill people. And his number, the streets need a body. He has not given him a body. And that you can view it as bullying, initiative. You know how people get initiated into certain gangs and 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 stuff. So the, the streets need a body in terms of I feel he's trying to initiate him. He always picks on him through this whole show. And I feel that one, not only is it just like an initiation, I'm gonna just do it to to you know get on your nerves, but also it's to prove that either one, he's not capable of certain things, which means that other people may have to step up, or it, it. I feel that this whole thing is to show that Brayden is willing to compromise the group. While he doesn't know the connection of Effie actually doing it, he did say, did you, essentially, did you make this a third party issue? In terms of, are you bringing in other people? So that adds another extra layer of I don't trust you. So I think that what Kane is doing is very smart in that sense. And I think with Effie, this has to go back with the trailer. Remember in the trailer, Effie pulled out something. She said, I have something to show you. Maybe it wasn't the fact that he was going, she was going to tell Tariq. Maybe it's I'm going to, she's going to tell Kane. Because <coughs> 
it looked like it was probably maybe, <coughs> sorry, a cell phone or something that belonged to Lauren. So that's what I think it is. Now, this could easily be squashed and simply said that, you know, I did it because Braden, he wasn't man enough to do it and to squash the issue of there being an outsider. But I feel that maybe the longer they keep Kane out of the loop, the more he'll start coming up with different scenarios. <laughs> that could be, sorry, that could be detrimental to the whole group. <coughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. I meant to hit Mike and I hit camera and you still heard the whole thing. I'm so sorry. Oh, so that's, that's what I feel. I feel that that is going to be the issue. And if you really want a group where you can trust everyone, as much as you have to admit your flaws, I think that it's best if everyone comes to the table and kind of be honest. Because if you look at it, even though Lauren's not dead, she's technically dead. He's going to be mad at her and everyone else later. But for me, I wonder, is it better just to tell him now so that they can work with a plan later, as opposed to it being a surprise when, I don't know, Lauren is seen walking down the street or pops up on the news. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I wonder. I, I, just, I just want to make two really quick points. I agree on everything that you said. It makes sense to me. Uh, I just want to say these two, these two quick things. Um, I think that Kane making that call, it, it is a very good timing because we know that uh, Effie was disappointed that Braden couldn't kill the Russia Connect. So I kind of feel like now she might be willing to talk to Kane and tell him, yeah, he couldn't do that. So he obviously, he couldn't handle trying to kill Lauren, so I had to do it. So it makes sense for that to happen now because you can see that she was annoyed that he couldn't get the job done with the Russian Connect. That's number one. And number two, what I also will say is very interesting is that, like you said, Dana, the streets need a body. And Kane reminded Braden and said, "You will, I will be collecting that body that you owe me. So that makes me wonder who is this person he's talking about that uh, Braden is going to have to kill. But Braden is going to have to kill somebody at some point because I think that's set in stone now. So stay tuned for that. But but uh, go go ahead. Go ahead. That's all I wanted to say. And one of the things that kind of aggravated me was when they remember they came to the table when they went to the Italian restaurant. I think it was the Italian restaurant. But anyway, it was during somebody's conversation where no, no, no. It was during the conversation with Effie and Braden when Effie figured out that it was Braden who got who um, made Tariq lose his internship. It was basically saying everyone in the group has their own set of skills that work better together as opposed to separate. So we have Kane, to me, it feels like he is the enforcer. Braden is, you know, he's more of that thinker because he can't, he can't kill nobody. And that doesn't make him a bad person. It's just not his strong suit. I think he would be the kind of person who would vomit all over the crime scene and then end up incriminating himself. So he's just, that's just not his strong suit. So I feel that everyone, if they realize if everyone comes to the table with their own set of skills, they would be better together. So I know it may be crazy with this whole Lauren situation, but maybe they should just be honest because that way nobody is guessing and humming and humming later on. But then at the same time, it would incriminate Kane. I don't know. It's a very weird thing. 
how this is going about. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. so uh, you want to go ahead, Rich? Oh, yeah. One one last thing I want to say, uh, because Dana mentioned that scene where uh, you see that uh, Effie and Braden are having the conversation. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, Dana, but they did it again. Where tenderly, they didn't they didn't wait for Tariq to leave the room fully, and then they start talking about yeah that happened way too quick. Where she always says <laughs> oh so you so did you have something to do with his internship? He could have still been in the room. That happened so fast. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. everything everything in the show happened so fast. Like he, even <laughs> even Kane calling Effie like was Braden even gone yet? Like <laughs> it felt like he was still there. Like, so yeah, um, it happened so fast. But um, no, it, it, great conversation. Um, in terms of like Kane, I definitely don't underestimate him because I, I feel like, you know, I agree that he's the main character. Like he's like the main kind of, you know, street guy on the show. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't underestimate him. I do think that he has like, you know, some intuition that something is going on. Um, especially after Braden freezing up. Like, I think he feels like something's not quite right now um, with the Lauren thing. Um, and um, so th this kind of segues into what I want to ask now. And because, um, you know, uh, Dana, you was talking about like how, you know, everyone should, they should come clean about the Lauren thing. Um, and everyone can kind of use their own skills to kind of work towards the situation or whatever. But but a key, a key factor in this is Tariq because he did have that relationship with Lauren and he is under the assumption that, you know, she just uh, died in, in an accident or whatever. Like, he doesn't know anything about, you know, what happened and stuff about them trying to kill her and Kane, Kane's enrollment and stuff like that. So, you know, um, if he was to find out that is going to set him off, like, he's going to be angry like completely at, at everyone um so but the question i want to ask is what what would happen because because i do feel like the that secret is going to come out this season i, I feel like they're going to know lauren is alive but what what would happen though if kane was to find out about lauren still being alive before Tariq does like do you think that he would like, what would he do about it at that point? Is he going to come clean to Tariq or, and like, is he going to tell everyone about the situation? Um, I guess he might because Monet's under pressure by the law already. So he, he might, you know, bring everyone to the table and let them know what's going on possibly, but he could also maybe try to figure out a way, you know, we've seen him kill cops before. So you know, he's crazy enough to, <laughs> to to do something to law enforcement. So, like, what what would his reaction be if he is the first one to find out? Because we already know Tariq's going to be mad, but, you know, what, what would Kane do about it? Like, what would his stance be if he were to find out? Would he instantly, you know, go after Brayden and be mad at him for it? Like, what, what would he do, do you think? Uh, I'll let you go first, Dana. Okay. So here's the situation. I feel this. I feel that, first of all, flat out, everyone's going to be mad at each other. Point blank, period. But I wonder, to me, it feels like Lauren is untouchable right now in the sense that she is still under witness protection. It'll bring more heat to them. 
and the fact that Monet and everyone else seems to know that between Whitman and Sachs, but more importantly, Whitman, because he's annoying and he needs to die, they're already digging into him. They, are, they don't know about the RICO case, but they know that they're already being spotted and they're, they're already, you know what I mean? Like the information, they're aware they're being watched. So this is not going to be a good look if they just jump up and re-kill Lauren again. So I mean, you just got to flip your camera over. Mm -hmm. You still there? Oh, technical difficulties happening. This shit. Yeah, I think Can you hear us now? Might have to come back. Yeah, she might have to leave and come back. Um, yeah, we'll we'll try and get Dana back, but in the meantime, Rich, what do you think? Like what what would Kane's move be if he found out that Lauren was alive first? Like would he would he tell Tariq? Would he go after Brayden? You know, what would his reaction be, do you think? Well, I think it's uh, it, it's a lot of things that are going to happen at once. Uh, obviously, I think when when Tariq finds out, because uh, I feel like uh, Brady, you know, uh, Braden and Effie are going to tell him. I don't think they're going to tell that uh, tell him that uh, Kane is the one that said they need to do this, because that is when it, it goes to another level. Because obviously, Tariq is not going to want her to die. But whereas Kane is going to want her to die because she had the wire. So I kind of feel like uh, I don't really know how they're going to get out of this situation. Uh, I agree with all the points that Dana said that it's it's not going to really be easy for them to try to take out anybody right now because they know they're being watched. But they still going to have to figure out some type of plan to to move forward on all of this. But, yeah, Tariq is definitely going to find out, I think, in the next couple episodes and I want to see how he reacts because it, it may not be positive to, 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 to say the least. But then what happens after that does matter because, again, Lauren is not really one to give up Tariq. Um, so we have to wait and see what happens. But I'm just curious to see. And I'm also curious to know what the commenters think as well because they are very good at coming up with theories also. So maybe they might have a good answer for this question as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely want to uh, get more thoughts on it. Um, you know, this was just a, a quick additional question based on what we were already talking about. There is something uh, deeper I want to dive into about Effie. Um, I hope Dana gets back uh, in a moment to chime in as well. But um, so, like, focusing on Effie now, like, in this episode, you know, she was having some dialogue with Tariq and basically telling him, like, she first of all, she asked him to bring back course correct and everything. And she was saying that she has a figure that she wants to work towards in terms of, you know, making money and stuff. And uh, we see later on Tariq asks her about this figure and say, it's basically saying, like, once you hit your figure, are you out? You know, like... And that's when he kind of followed up with the whole Tasha ghost kind of conversation. Um, but like, 
I don't know, man. Some, there's, there's something about Effie. I know we're talking about this whole CI topic, like is there another CI and all this stuff. But there's something about Effie because it's like we keep getting these, like, these, uh, you know, folk focal shots of her. And it, it looks like there's just something more going on with her. Like, you know, it looks like she's she's got something in her head that she's not saying, like, all the time. Like, she seems very suspect, very suspicious. So I wanted to ask you, like, is there something more to this this whole figure thing that she's talking about? And does she have some kind of secret that she's not telling anyone? Like, like do you think there's something more going on with that character? What do you think? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, Dana definitely will be was going to have to chime in on that one. But I, I have to say, yeah. yes, I do believe that there's more to the character. I know we have been saying that since she's been introduced to the to, to this entire show, um, but certain things makes you wonder that there has to be more to what's going on with her as a character. Um, I understand that with you know that whole thing about having a figure in your head, a number that will make you say, "Okay, once I get to that number, I'm done. I can do something else." I kind of feel a lot of people feel they also hope for that number as well within their own lives, if they're working, they want to get to a certain amount before this, before that they can, that they can retire, so on and so forth. So I understand that. That's why I thought it was good they included that. But I definitely am curious to know more about the character because it feels like there have been secrets about this character from the very beginning. And we just have never, ever really dived deeper into any of that stuff. We've all speculated on this particular show could she be related to somebody, you know? Could she be, you know, I mean, we've all spoke about that, but they've never really dived into any of that. And I do know that when they did a live last year, uh, Courtney Kemp did say this character is not the CI, obviously, because I guess people were asking her that question in the live as well. So I don't know, but I kind of feel like even if she isn't, something still is up with the character. And I hope we get answers on that as the season as they dive deeper into the season, because we already know it's a situation where uh, uh, Tariq is going to question who he can trust. You see that with Brayden? That's coming. We see that coming. And it's going to be coming with Effie as well, since she worked with Brayden, as far as this whole thing is concerned, with uh, trying to take out Lauren. So I would love to see them explain and show more about what's up with the Effie character and why this is somebody who uh, we need to keep a, keep our eyes on. Indeed. Um, yeah, welcome back, Dana. Uh, are you good? You okay? Sorry about that. I had technical difficulties. So sorry. Okay. Everything's good now, it seems. So good to have you back. Yeah. But um, so yeah, we were on to another uh, quick question, and uh, it was it was regarding Effie because you know she brought up the whole she she has a figure in her head that she's trying to hit with the course correct and the money and everything. And um, yeah, and uh, you know, Tariq asked the question later on as well of like, you know, once you hit your figure, are you out, you know? Um, and that, that was right before he got into the whole Tasha and ghost thing. And um, yeah, I was basically also saying that to me, it always feels like she's hiding something, like there's something more going on with the character. Like she, you know, she has a lot of things going on inside that she's not telling people. So the question was basically, you know, uh, what do you make of this figure that she has? And, 
you know, is there is there a secret with this character that sh- that we don't know about, or do you think that she's hiding something? You know, for me, it seems like one of two things. Well, she's extremely smart, and I wish I had this um, knowledge when I was a kid. That you know, you need to have that that safety net. Period. Whether you're a child or an adult or whatever, just in life. We talk about accidents and things happening. We all experienced and went through the panorama. So, you know, and people lost their income behind that. So we all need some form of cushion there. So to me, that was smart. I do not blame her. I wish I had that foresight when I was a kid because I is broke. Um, But another thing is, you're right. We don't know that much about Effie. We have not gone home with her. We've gone home with Brayden. We live with Diana. But we don't know anything about Effie, her background, her parents. Where does she come from? Maybe she's Queen of Zamunda. We don't know because we haven't gotten there. So I think you bring up a very good point. She could easily be hiding something. Whether or not she is actually the CI, I think that that would be really mind-blowing. But for me, also feels that it would be forced. Now, again, we don't know much about Effie. But the one thing that we do know, she's very determined. She is very headstrong. And she does not seem to be one to run back and forth with the cops. You know, to me, that's what it doesn't seem like. Now, involving back to go with the previous first episode of this season, the whole situation with Lauren in the car. She knocked her in the head and basically drove her. To me, I still say it was a very shallow kind of lake or river. This was not like the ocean front. She didn't shoot her in the head like 20 times. This wasn't a scream moment where everyone gets stabbed up. This was bang, eh, and then you just push the car ever so gently. And then here comes this white man and his dog. And the car never really even got to sink because to me, it was too shallow to sink. So with that knowledge, we don't know exactly what happened. We haven't seen the full totality of that scene. So you could argue that she is hiding something there. You could say, oh, maybe she's just like Brayden and doesn't want to be a killer. But at the same time, it was so lazily done that she was it felt like she wanted her to survive. She wanted her to live. I don't think that she's working with Jen because that would just be too mind-blowing. And I think it would take us completely out of the character. But I still don't know who she is as a person. And that, I understand, is frustrating. And she has a lot of things that she's hiding. But if you look at the show overall, and it's characters, everyone's hiding something. If you look at Whitman, Blanca, and Jen, they're hiding things from each other. She hasn't told her about the CI. Sax is hiding information that he knows about um, McLean and Tariq and all the other situations. Jen is hiding her information from Sax. This whole show is based on hideation and lies. So I feel that at the same time, she is just acting accordingly to the show. You're not supposed to show your, your full cards. 
of what it is in your intentions in life. Because that way people can hold it against you. You know, if she was to say, I did this, this, and this, they're going to come after her. So I think by not showing everything, yes, it does feel like she is hiding something. It does make me wonder how Kane is going to figure out the situation because Kane, to me, seems like he can be, you know, captain investigator at this point. Maybe he's the one who starts digging up dirt and figuring things out. But Effie, there's a lot of things that's hiding with Effie. And, and remember the whole situation with the car. I didn't even know she had a car like that. You know, remember she said, oh, I have this really broke down car and I'm trying to save up money and that's why it looks broken down. I just feel that we're getting information about her very slowly. The whole safety net number, that felt really slow. I don't know if she, I don't, I just, and even when she started course correct, yes, you could say that she came to Tariq, but to me, it felt like she was going to do it regardless, you know? So she already has that hiding factor within her. So I just want to know more about the character. Let us go home with her. Does she have a grandma? What is her mom like? Is her dad around? You know, maybe she's a, a she could be a billionaire's daughter at this point. Maybe she's Tommy's daughter. Who even knows? There's so many different variables that they're just not telling us. So, yeah, I, I, I trust no one would be the better thing. It's just not to trust anyone. Yeah, no, an excellent breakdown. Like, uh, I agree. Um, and it is smart of her to hold on to her cards and not, you know, tell everyone everything, what she's thinking and stuff. I do think, like, I think she's going to make a, a huge power move later on uh, in, in the story. Like, I think, you know, she's definitely going to, uh, you know, maybe try and uh, build something for herself, um, you know, that doesn't involve Tariq. Um, yeah, I, I think she's got something up her sleeve for sure. And uh, much props to the actress as well, because, like, you know, she does a great job of, like, you know, carrying herself that way where it's like there's you can feel that there's more going on with the character and you just want to know everything like you know that's that's the talent in itself like having that um you know demeanor and and, and you know portraying the character like that you know she should probably like play in some spy movies or something like because she's really good at like you know acting like she's she's uh keeping secrets so um yeah you know um I, yeah I'm definitely looking forward to uh, learning more about Effie. Um, where are we at? One hour 30. Um, so, I mean, I, I had a... I'm, I'm going to get to you two. I'm going to let you two, like, you know, bring up uh, something else that you want to bring up. But just real quick, let's throw this in here. You know, this could be a quick little fun topic. So, um, you know, we know that your boy Tate, Councilman Tate, Rashad Tate, you know, he... Uh, his uh his campaign dude like his I don't know who that guy is the manager or senator or whatever that other guy is you know he was basically saying you know you need to be a family man you need a wife you know you're 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 trying to run for council or governor or whatever but you don't have any any family you don't have a wife you know so has he found his wife now in Harper we we know that they have a history because uh, they were talking about you know they they were together in the past. And Tate actually said um, the reason he hasn't settled down is because he was so hurt after they broke up and he just focused on his work 
And, you know, he said that the other lady he was with at the memorial was just a date and it's nothing serious. And we actually see that they, they get straight to the kissing. Like things happen so fast in the show, you know, they actually share a kiss um, before it's broken up by Jenny and, and Blanca. So, so, um, so is this the path for Tate? You know, is he going to get with Harper? Do you think it's going to be successful for him? Will he actually finally win this election by the end of this season? Because it feels like he's been running since like season five of Power or something like that. Like, you know, <laughs> so is he finally going to, you know, be successful and win governor or whatever he's running for? So uh, that that's uh, the final question for me. What do you think, Dana? For me, is this. Tate is grimy and dirty and just raggedy that I don't believe anything that he says. Even if he was like, I love you, girl. You broke my heart. He a whole lie. That's my feeling. I have not seen him have actual feelings through this show so far. So even in, in the previous power. Um, so it would be great to explore that. But I don't think he is capable of having feelings, period. I think he needs someone who is just like him. And that's where I wonder if she's the fact that she was the one who to break it off and to walk away. Maybe she is his match in terms of once I'm done with you, I don't need you anymore. This relationship is run its course. So that I feel is what we need. Also, we know this is all based in fakery. This is just an image that's out there to be for the public. Um, and I feel that she is smart enough to understand that and to know that this can be a situation ship. Well, so I have no problems with that at all. Whether or not she is his actual match, we don't know. Because to me, we haven't met any woman who would be a match for Tate. Not that he's some great prize, but we need someone with the mental stability to be like, this is just a situation ship. I don't want somebody I'm falling head over heels in love with you. No, Tate is grimy. I don't like Tate. So maybe she may be that person in terms of she's highly educated. So you got that good as a background. She's strong and resilient and she don't need no man because she walked away from him. They already have a history together. So that'll be a lovely like love story. Oh, we loved each other, but it was too much. And we walked away and then we found each other again. And it was fate. And that's something you can run to the newspapers with. That's all BS anyway. And they'll eat it up like it's the black notebook. So I love that. I think that for right now, until we meet someone else, she seems to be the perfect candidate. Because everyone else seems to be, you know, what's that word? Not side chicks, but the jump off. They're all jump offs. And I don't view her as the jump off unless she's doing the jumping off. So there you go. <laughs> Hilarious jump off. Um, so so you think that he's he's just trying to appeal to her simply for the campaign? So here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. He a hoe, point blank and period. He's going to always be a hoe. But he needs someone who can understand the situation ship. And I think if you come to the table and be like, look, this is what's going on. She would be the kind of person who could assess that and realize that it's just a situation ship. That would also elevate her as well. Now remember her class is already popular to begin with. 
but that would just make it even more, you know what I mean? It helps to to elevate both their careers. She can write a book and, and it'll sell off and then she'll get pressed just as well. And I'm not saying that she needs him in order to, for that to happen. I feel that she is strong and independent on her own, but there are certain times just business-wise, when you work together towards a certain goal, it works much better if you're doing it separately. So that's what I feel it's going to be. I like her. Just don't fall in love and be like, oh my God, don't ever leave me. I don't want to hear that. Situationship, we both adults. We know what's going on. Our careers are going to succeed. We're both going to get power in this situation. Boom. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, have a uh, have an arrangement, an arrangement relationship, I guess. Like, they could do that, you know, and rise to power together. But, and they all, yeah. all politics is just an arrangement anyway. And I'm not saying people don't genuinely love each other. I'm just saying if you look at it overall, the people are, in a, they are an arrangement. Not everyone is going to be a Barack and Michelle. Look at, and I hate to throw politics in this, look at Malala, what was that woman's name? Uh, Trump and that woman that he's with. Malala, Malila, I don't know. I forgot the woman's name, but you know who I'm talking about. At least you do, Richard. I keep forgetting Gary is not American. But Richard, you know Trump's wife. Well, she, she's, from my, she's from my uh, part of the poems. You know, <laughs> yeah. so. I thought she was from like Soviet Union or something. Oh, yeah, that, well, y'all both know. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. There's certain things that you marry into for image and business. There's genuine love, but there's business and situations that you both need in order for you to both to succeed. She needed a green card and he needed something to make him, I don't know. I don't know, I'm getting off on a rear tangent right now, but you understand what I'm saying, right? This is a business relationship. It's a ship, business. I like it for both of them. That whole kissing situation was just weird. I didn't like that because you're getting romance in it. So just don't, just don't give them a heart. Don't give them no heart. It's just it's just a ding dong. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Rich, how, how do you feel about it? Do you agree? Well, I agree with everything that Dana said. Uh, this is the world of power, so everything moves fast. So yeah, that probably will happen. Now I will say they make a great couple. They are not as good a couple as Darius and Nina. And if you have seen a, a film by the name of Love Jones, you know what I'm talking about. But they're a good, they're a good uh, couple, I would say. But I want people to remember something very important, okay? And that is that we have to remember this whole thing about Tariq's internship and the fact that Tate did not want Tariq to, to know that him and Braden had that deal. I kind of feel like, you know, Braden is the only one Tariq is going to come after when he, you know, when it comes down to it. And obviously he is going to get his hands on Braden, I think. We did see Braden get knocked out by somebody in the season trailer, so I'm going to make a guess that that's Tariq. So he will get some retaliation. But as you saw in this episode, Tariq is also still mad about the internship because they brought it up in the classroom with his classmate that got that internship instead of him. So I would not be surprised if he tries to, to in some way, get Tate back for this also. I don't know what he would do because, again, this is between him and Braden, but uh, – I would keep that in mind as a possibility because uh, he wasn't too happy about that. He's still talking about it. So obviously he still is not happy about what happened. He needs to get over it because if you look at this whole situation, it worked out best for him anyway. And it worked out for that girl. First of all, Tariq is too hot. 
there's a, they're building a RICO case against him. Even they went and approached Tate about this. So you wanting to be the politician and not tied to drugs and laundering, you know, that, that people know of. And Tariq already made the, the courts. He made the papers. He had, as you people would say, he had on the streets. So I personally would not hire somebody who is hot and doing wrong with drug connections and Ricos and investigations. And your daddy was also a criminal and your mama's in witness protection. That's just raggedy overall. Whether or not that's your friend and you you right there with him drug dealing or whatever it is, overall, the perception is just bad. So I agree that Tariq shouldn't have been on the campaign. And at the end of the day, it worked out for everyone. The girl came in. She's still black. So that helps with the campaign. A black woman. Oh, look at what I hired. And then you also have Tariq is in the middle of Wall Street about to be the next crypto king. So what's the problem? It works out for everyone. Yes, he's going to be upset because that is his friend that cut him off and did that to him and betrayed him. He'll get over it. Why? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like uh, Tariq doesn't need him at this point. Um, and uh, like there, there's a lot of like history uh, with Rashad Tate and the St. Patrick's, you know, he was dealing with ghosts. Like, so this whole negative uh, aspect has been a stain on his career for a very long time. Um, so if he is going to have a successful campaign, he should probably try and get away from Tariq anyway, because he, he he knows what Tariq's all about. Like, he knows he's doing something. Um, so, I, I, and I feel like, you know, Tariq is kind of making a name for himself now in this professional world. Like, well, He's going to start to, I think, you know, especially as he uh, moves more towards this RSJ character as well. I feel like, you know, eventually Tariq is going to be able to, like, kind of stand on his his own. I think he's starting his own kind of self-development in the professional world um, where, where, where he's really going to become the new ghost because, you know, what made ghost is that duality that he had with the professional world and the drugs, you know. So I feel like Tariq is kind of on that path of developing that now. Um, and then, you know, once Tariq is in a more solid position later on, maybe the two characters will have more use for each other once again. Uh, but I feel like at this moment, you know, the, the, these two characters could be on their own separate path. And and sometimes it feels like Tate is really more of a plot point anyway. Like he's there to kind of move certain plots along. <laughs> so... You know, I think at the moment he, you know, they, they, their paths are kind of, they, they can be a little bit, you know, separate. The two characters don't have to be, be together right now. So, yeah, that's my take on it. But uh, any more thoughts on, on that, Rich, before we uh, move on? Oh, no, I agree. I agree with both points that you and, and Dana made. So I'm I'm good. Cool. Yeah. So, like, uh, I wanted to also get, you know, some final thoughts from you two about this episode and anything else you wanted to bring up, anything we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to, you know, mention. So um, let's go to uh, let's go to you first, Richard. You, you have anything else you wanted to bring up about the episode? Uh, no, I, I I mean, I think I think we covered everything. Um Again, I thought it was I thought it was a good episode. I'm I'm still curious to see what's gonna happen next week. So 
I would say that they have me fully invested. I know there have been some people complaining about uh, they feel as though certain characters are more important. I know we had a comment from Inga71 talking about Kane, uh, Davis, and Monet are the only characters that she really cares about. And I, I understand that because that they the storyline is really focused on what's happening with that family again this season. Also Tariq as well, but they're all connected because they're all working together. So I'm curious to see what happens next. But um yeah, overall I thought it was I thought it was a great episode. Uh so let's see where things go from here. Cause now again, this was the third episode, which means there are only seven episodes left in the season. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And and I I do agree with that point where I, I feel like the supporting cast actually makes this show like I, I feel like they're all more interesting than you know Tariq himself but that's not a stain on Tariq uh shouts to Michael Rainey Jr because he's he's a good actor um he's you know he's developing and stuff and he does he does a good job playing Tariq it's just the way the the, the story is written I feel like I'm more invested in the the, the supporting cast than than the main character at this moment but, um, but yeah, Dana, was uh, do you, did you have any more thoughts to share or anything else you wanted to bring up? Monet sucks. Once again, she's terrible. She got all emotional and she ran her little mouth and she talked about the guap. Oh, it was the guap who killed my son. Now that's going to make it look even more terrible. Remember, they thought that it was... Um, Mecca, he was, it was a mistaken identity because of Mecca. You literally was on the right path. But now you didn't open your mouth and you talked about the guacamoles. That is not nice. I think that she is going to probably end up getting her family in trouble even more. All because she got a stink attitude. She can't listen and she's too emotional. I don't like her. So, yep. Richard? I'm glad you brought that up because that is going to happen. Because Davis gave her instructions, do what I say. And she decided not to. So she probably is going to be. And the funny thing about that revelation is she is the one that killed this guy. So um, she basically put herself in trouble. So, hey, in the bar. What yep. Was that not the bar? The yep. same bar yeah. where Whitman was sitting around there saying, I know you killed everybody. You terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't understand where she's at. She's never been smart to me from the first season. We are there again. There's no character growth within her, and it further frustrates me. So, yeah, dumb, dumb. So then on top of that, we have the whole thing. This is what I wonder. Whitman is about to be suspended because he keeps harassing all these black people because he, he misses Carrie so damn much. Um, one, I don't understand him, why he's so emotional. Was Carrie pregnant? I don't even know, but it's it's too much. She's being way too much, and so I feel that with this whole situation, now that you can say he is no longer facing legal restrictions in terms of him being suspended, he doesn't have to answer to anybody. So will he start acting more erratic and more dangerous? So that is what I'm wondering with this character. So boo to him, because he sucks as well. And y'all just need to kill him because it's like, what? what's the point of him even being alive? It's not like he holds substance to the show. So to me, that's weird. Um, another thing is um, 
Lorenzo, you need to figure out something with your balls because they didn't cut them off. Your own son to cut up your balls and you're just sitting around here being all sad and pathetical and getting beat up every five seconds by a bunch of teenagers. And it's just raggedy. He's raggedy at this point. But you know what's also interesting about this whole situation? If you look at the family dynamic of how close they're supposed to be, you could see that they're not really that close. In terms of if your man comes home beaten up, you're not gonna ask any questions. You're not gonna be concerned as to what is going on, even if you say it it involves the family business. I don't understand why it to me it seems like the only time we've seen somebody check up on each other was Cain with Diana. That was the only time. You could have argued, oh, it was Lorenzo, but Lorenzo, he's in the doghouse because he asked his own daughter to go sell drugs on the campus. That blows up everybody's spot. How dumb are you and how inefficient are you as both a drug dealer and a man of the house where you have to ask your daughter to go sell what you can't sell? Raggedy. And the whole point was to protect her from this whole thing. So he he needs to be drop kicked in his throat because I'm just upset with him. Um, and another thing, because I know I talk too much, um, was the fact that um, I think that was it. So I think that whole thing was probably it. But I'm, I'm interested in what's going on with Kane because Kane he knows more than what he's saying he knows. And and Brayden, y'all just need to leave him alone because he's contributing to the group. Just because he can't kill nobody does not make him inefficient. That's just not in his skill set. He's smart. So leave him alone. And that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you made some great points. Um, I definitely feel like the Tahada family is a, a very damaged family. <laughs> like, um, like you said, like there's, like Monet, like her heart was with Dante Spears, you know, Mecca. Like that's the one she loved. And, uh, you know, at the moment, I feel like losing uh, Zeke and, and having to kill Mecca um, is outweighing anything she ever felt for Lorenzo. Um, and, you know, Lorenzo, he he knows what he did as well. So it's like he doesn't even want to, like, address anything, any of their feelings and emotions, because he's scared that, you know, uh, he's going to get figured out. So... Yeah, there, there's a lot going on there uh, in the Tahada family. They need a therapist. They need a group therapy session. Like, that would be entertaining to watch. Like, that would be like another uh, dinner scene. It, it would be the equivalent of that, you know. I would love to see that. <laughs> but, yeah, that family's a mess for real. But, um, <laughs> yeah, great points. Um, I want the people to chime in on all of that. Let us know your thoughts. I can't wait to see the comments. But um, that is going to be it for this week. Uh, this week's episode of Powercast, uh, we covered a lot of stuff, like, you know, a lot of uh, topics. Um, definitely let us know what you think. And we will be back next week to recap uh, episode four of season three of uh, Power Book Two Ghosts. So until then, take care of yourselves, everyone. Stay healthy. Have a, have a good week. Uh, definitely get well, Dana. And uh, Rainy J, I believe she wasn't feeling well as well. So shouts to her. Um, yeah, and uh, we will see you next week. Peace out.